when we aren't being mindful, when we aren't cognizant of this present moment, we don't live our lives to the fullest and the most enjoyable way possible. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 319. And today we're going to discover the connection between your money and your mindfulness. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson, Authority Amplifier and Possibility Igniter. And I don't know about you, but this year feels like the possibility to make a greater impact, to ignite the income and influence that's maybe a little dormant inside is feeling very palpable. Like there's so much that's emerging this year. And I hope you are creating a plan that will allow you to tap in and leverage all of the opportunities emerging you know, where a lot of people get stuck, in my experience, um, when they come in, they uh, do a consult with me, my fast track call, they're looking for, you know, their roadmap and how to get from where they are to making a greater impact in the world. And ultimately, it tends to boil down to four key things. Somehow they're blocking or not really amplifying their authority in the world. So they're a best kept secret. And if that's speaking to you and you suspect, yeah, you know what, I'm not really amplifying my authority. I'm pretty much a best kept secret. I'm probably pretty invisible to the ideal clients and opportunities that are all around me, then stop what you're doing and head right now to melaniebenson.com forward slash authority quiz. This is my brand new quiz that's going to help you identify what's blocking your authority. And sometimes it's in your blind spot. You don't know what it is. And more importantly, how to get back on track and claim your authority positioning as a highly paid authority. I can't wait to help you unpack the results and reveal a roadmap that's going to get you soaring this year. So let's ignite your impact, your income, and your influence by illuminating where your authority is blocked. Again, head over to melaniebenson.com forward slash authority quiz, and I will link that up in the show notes. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome back, Amplifiers. I am just so moved and so ready to have this conversation today with a guest about money and mindfulness. So our guest today is Lisa Peterson. She's a business growth strategist, a money specialist, and author of The Mindful Millionaire. She helps inspired business owners become game changers in their field and achieve million-dollar breakthroughs in their business. She does this by interweaving mindfulness tools into how she teaches her clients about building their one-to-many businesses. She's been noted in Forbes as one of the 10 women driving growth in wealth management and investing. And Lisa has appeared in Gaia Media Network and in the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, The Week, Huffington Post, and has been featured on many of the podcasts and radio shows that you're probably listening to. And today I feel so honored, Lisa, to have you joining us to talk about what I think is going to be a real game-changing conversation for a lot of our listeners. 
I'm so happy to be here, Melanie. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to just kick off with the connection that you see between money and mindfulness. Having worked with people and their money for over 30 years, uh, the realization that I had about about this question was there wasn't a lot of mindfulness about money. Um, And I say that because of years and years of research. And when I early on started this work, I was a financial advisor and I started to kind of ask my question, my clients questions on the side, like, tell me, you know, how you feel about money. Tell me what you think about money. Tell me about your backstory. And every single time these conversations happened, they led to life-changing breakthroughs, even though though at the time I didn't know what I was doing. I was just asking, you know, the right question at the right time. But what I found was people weren't very mindful about their relationship with money, or there's a lot of blind spots that we have, and we think that we're doing it one way. And then when we dive a little deeper, we realize that there's a lot to be unpacked and a lot to be uncovered. Ooh, I can't wait to unpack and uncover with you then. Um, let's just, um, let's just take mindfulness for a minute and make sure everybody is kind of synced up with us on what you mean by mindfulness. What does that mean to you? What it means to me is being in the present moment with whatever it is that we're focused on. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many references to this, but I think it goes a long way that we really only live in the present moment. There isn't anything else but right now. But many of us, because of difficulties in the past, are dragging the past into the present moment thinking that we're here now, but in reality, we're just taking all those perceptions and beliefs and past experiences and bringing them into the moment to try and figure out what's happening now. We also take that stuff from the past and we shove it forward into the future and we project out what's going to happen because of things that have happened in the past. And while there's some important aspects of this feature of us, you know, human beings, there are a lot of detrimental aspects to that way of thinking. And we miss the way I see it is when we aren't being mindful, when we aren't cognizant of this present moment, we don't live our lives to the fullest and the most enjoyable way possible. So being present is mindfulness. Being with our money means recognizing our patterns, our beliefs, our energy, right, about money. And so I'm kind of curious what, like, so money to me has so many different ways it gets experienced, right? Like we've heard money is energy. We know money has a transactional impact. Like um, I saw you write something about there's a spiritual side to money and a financial side to money. Is there anything that you could share with us about what that means and how that maybe an example of how that shows up and limits the entrepreneurs who are listening in today? I see this all the time where people don't understand how they feel about money and yet they go about their lives as if, 
it's quite simple. And yet it's complicated because we're making it complicated. And I'll give you an example. This morning I was coaching one of my clients and there had been some problems with money in the relationship of her serving her clients and miscommunications, perhaps on both sides. But the problem is, is that now both sides have their own story about what went wrong and what went, you know, maybe right, where trust might be questioned, you know, all these things are happening. And this happens all the time with money, like miscommunication, one person feels one way, one person feels another. And because I've just worked with money my whole entire life, it's always been something I was good at from a really young age. I feel like I'm often the oddball in the room in that I look at the best financial decisions we can make is when there is neutrality in the energy associated with that discussion or that action. So that's when I'm saying there's a financial decision, money, numbers, clarity, you I pay you this, you you know, or you pay me that. This is what we're getting in exchange for that. Like there's so much clarity that can come when we're just talking about the numbers and we can drill things down to like what's the value here? That's not normally the problem. <laughs> where the problems come up is all of this energy that we're holding on to, like you did me wrong, or I did you in a certain way. And all the things that aren't being discussed based on what's happened in the past and the judgments that we're bringing from our past experiences into that moment, which might trigger our own feelings of not being worthy. Like, oh, they wouldn't pay me the way that I wanted to be paid. And underneath that is a feeling along kind of a longing that you want to feel worthy. And now it's coming up in this, uh, this miscommunication. And while you think you're negotiating about numbers, you're actually negotiating about your worthiness. And when that happens, it gets icky fast. People don't feel good negotiating the energy around it because you can't even pinpoint it. You can't get to the financial part. You're just dealing with emotions and feelings and distrust and worthiness. And all this stuff is happening yet because it's not out in the open, nobody really talks about it. Like, hey, can we get to the bottom of why this is such a difficult conversation? You know, let's start there. And so that's my job is in, in many times I'm bringing out like what's actually happening here aside from the money. What's your goal? Whose story are you in? Are you in your story of the past? Or are you thinking about what's happening for this other person? Because it's going to be a lot easier to negotiate if you're in their story. So these are the sorts of questions I love to get into to find out what's actually happening here. And it's probably not the dollars and cents. Hmm. I'm glad you brought up the stories piece. You know, some of the things that I, I recognized how powerful our stories are uh, that are shaped when we are very young often or out of a incident that was probably beyond our control. And those, the energy of those stories move with us and shape our decision-making. I would love to have like a conversation from your point of view about where you see patterns, or maybe these are limiting beliefs or beliefs that shape our patterns, maybe. Uh, and what are you seeing in the entrepreneurial community right now that's impacting people in maybe a not so good way? Mm -hmm. Well, 
the themes are pretty consistent. And this is where I use, um, I use the chakra system, which by the way, Maslow's hierarchy of needs was inspired. It was inspired by the chakra system. So I'm not super woo, but I'm kind of woo. -woo. And if you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's based on this idea that we all have needs that we wish to have met. And it starts with our most basic of survival. And then it goes up from there and ultimately to this place of self-realization. But what I found is, is that if we can get to where it is that we're stuck in our belief patterns, sometimes it's just in our survival. Like, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to pay the bills, right? So all my motivation is coming from this place of severe scarcity of not having enough. But what's, what's cool about this work is it just keeps going up and money manifests and it shows up in different ways, depending on how far along we are on that journey. Many of the entrepreneurs are not at that survival level. Sometimes we might fall into that after a few years of being a business owner and not making enough money, we might go backwards. But when we leave our jobs and we decide to go out on our own, we're already like we've already developed a certain level of confidence and understanding of ourselves and our ability to not just help ourselves, but to help others. We're moving into these higher levels of consciousness, but new level, new devil, wherever we're at, there's always some place that we will meet an inner demon of some respect that causes us to be like, wait, what just happened here? And, um, and so, you know, we can go into some of those, but does that, is that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I may have encountered a few of those in my own journey. <laughs> <laughs> They're not Me unfamiliar too. at all. <laughs> and I think that's really the key here is, is, you know, knowledge or, or, you know, what is that saying? Like, um, when I don't know what it is, I don't know. There's those four quadrants and I can't think of what they are right now, but, but when you know what it is, you have the power to, to transform it. You have tools, you have a way to um, navigate it. But if you don't know what it is, you're just flying blind. And it's almost like you become at the mercy of that pattern. And you, you, you're, you like, what do I do? So my point is you and I have tools. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a long way of saying we have tools. <laughs> yeah. And entrepreneurs, I would say oftentimes, not just like year one success, you know, early success, but like long-term success to me is going to indicate that this person has been able to meet those demons and not have them crush them, but instead made them stronger by seeing it and not letting it stop them and moving past it. But you can't keep stuffing it down and avoiding it as a business owner, because it just comes out in all these other weird places. And you get to the point where you're like, I need strategies to help me when this comes up so that I see it. This is a limiting belief. This is not true. I have a system. I move through it. I know it's temporary. And then you're on back on the freedom track of like, I can do this. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, that is very well said. And it's the recognizing it going, oh, okay, I'm doing the thing. My mind is playing this trick on me right now. This is what I do when it comes up. That's I love that you said that's where freedom comes from. Could we maybe talk a little bit more about the pattern of fear, though? Because, okay, so I've been coaching people since 2000. I know you've been doing this a really long time as well. And I just see this one pattern that comes up over and over and over again. And one of the things I see 
is you're talking about that new level, new devils. Like when people are stretching into that next level, those fears really kick in. But I want to talk about where you see fear becoming a limiter when it comes to money and success. Mm -hmm. Maybe even give me a little, because I deal with fear so much, even a little nuance or detail. Fear of growing the reach of your work in the world. Mm-hmm. And what that what comes with it, right? Like we're investing in. Uh, I was just talking to someone else uh, who I, I was interviewing for the show, and she was talking about one of her greatest fears had been investing so much more than she was making, and yet knowing she had to do it if she was going to get to her goal. But she was terrified, and what that was doing to her. And I thought, oh my god, this is this is such a common experience where we're investing levels of money in our future success, and we have no idea how it's all going to work out, but we know we have to do it. Yeah, yes, it it, it is really common, and I think that the places that it shows up in, right, are um, growth, leadership of people. I think being able to know that you have the capacity to lead others. I think the other big place it shows up is with how do you find that that balance between investing money in your business and also taking money out of your business. They're both important, period. And being able to pay yourself and have that money, like I'll I'll say this, when before I was a financial advisor, I was a mortgage underwriter for several years. And business owners were the most financially strapped people I would do mortgages for. And they had convinced themselves that because they had all these write-offs, you know, it was okay that they couldn't get a mortgage or they couldn't, you know, help others. Um, and and I think that it's easy to get caught in a cycle of put more money in, I'll get more money back later. But as we know, the world changes really quickly. And, you know, someone who was investing in a magazine, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, that day came and went like, and if all your money was in the magazine business and those, the magazine business goes away, so does your fortune. So we have to be very cognizant of the importance. I feel very strongly about this, that it's not just about investing in your business. I'd like to have enough money coming in from my business where I can invest in my business and invest in other vehicles that are also working for me to create passive income sources. So again, I'm probably triggering some listeners right now going, Lisa, I'm putting all my money back in the business. I'm not taking any out. There would be a fear you know, of whatever that brings up. There's probably many more, but does that, is that what you were looking for? Just some of those examples. I love just hearing your point of view because you're right. I think there is a a pretty common fear of, um, yeah, like how do I take money out of my business when it feels like it needs everything I have to keep growing and, you know, having a strategy and a plan to grow like future financial security (laughs) along with, current and and in this present moment, financial stability can sometimes feel like they're in conflict. Mm -hmm. It can also be, you know, pivots can bring up fear. And, And one of the reasons that we might realize that we need to make a pivot in our business and, um, and this 
it, it can be around how much profit is being created in this business. Is that meeting my expectations? Do I think it should have more? And then being willing to pivot your business to go in the direction of a higher profitable structure than a lower profitable structure because it's in your comfort zone. Yeah, that's a conversation my team and I have been in recently. And we're about ready to roll out some of those changes because we've seen what's diminishing returns right now and where people really feel most supported and what they want to invest in is changing in, in my experience. Yes. So yes, I totally agree. And, and yeah, there's a little bit of fear that comes up with that pivot and, and owning that, that transformation that we're creating. So mm -hmm. yeah, I could see that totally. Is there anything else that is sparking well, for you around fear? Because we could probably I mean, talk about fear all day long, right? Yeah, <laughs> we probably could. I'll just say this, that I am not in the camp where some people reside, which is see the fear and do it anyways. I'm a little bit different in that regard because I think that the fear can serve a very valid purpose in causing us to look at it, acknowledge it, not resist it and ignore it and probably come up with by just saying, okay, I'm afraid right now. This isn't feeling good to me. I can feel it in my body. I'm not sleeping well. Like I am just going to pause and say, this is scaring the crap out of me. Like just stop pushing it away. And from that place, you can ask yourself, like, what is it, if anything, that I could do that would alleviate some of this fear, that would cause me to feel better about it. And sit with that for a day, a week, a month, without trying to like solve it from the head, but allow your subconscious to get activated that maybe there's some steps that you're missing in the process that your fear is trying to warn you about. But because your tendency has been to be like, ignore it, you actually miss out on some really cool things at the subconscious, right? These are the, you, you don't try to solve it. You let it sit out there. These are the things you wake up out of, you know, a sound sleep one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I miss this. I missed it. This is going to, this is going to take care of so much of that fear, but it didn't come from the thinking. It came because you planted the seed and you didn't try to solve everything. Yeah. 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 Fear, fear is a very powerful thing. And, and in my experience, fear is usually that because there's a story, you know, and the lens that we're looking through is colored by a past experience that didn't go well. So it's, it's healthy. I love that you're saying like, don't do it anyway. Let's take a pause and see what is, what is the fear? What are we making that mean? Like what is coming up for us? I like to think of fear as um, information mm -hmm. and then we get to decide what to do with that information. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that that's the way I've been uh, working with fear because uh, just because you're successful, it means doesn't mean you have any shortage of all this stuff that comes up. It just means you yeah. have different tools. So um, let's talk a little bit about some ways we can change how we feel about money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we've already talked about this idea of 
listening, listening inside, asking yourself questions. Many of us hire coaches because they're better at asking us questions than we are at ourselves, right? So surround yourself with people who ask you good questions um, so that you can bring these things to the surface. But when it comes to, hmm, the question is around moving, what can we do to help ourselves move through it? Is that what you were asking? Yeah. How do we you know, you gave a great tool about being present to fear. I'm just wondering, how do we get to the point where we have maybe a lot more confidence and clarity and we feel um, stable, like with our financial flow? And that might Mm -hmm. be a choice or it may be a strategy. I'm just really curious, like how you guide people to get on the other side of where those fears are making all the decisions to maybe having a strategy that they can rely on. Yeah. Uh, your audience probably has a wide variety of um, where they're at in their business journey. Would that be fair? Like from startup yeah. all the way to multiple seven, six, you know, eight figures. It's funny because I think that this is a very personal um, experience for, for each of us, depending on where we've come from and where we're going. If we had a really traumatic background, I think that we have to have a lot of compassion for ourselves, that even though we've done tons of work on helping ourselves with fear, there's an acknowledgement that that might not totally go away. And so we're running our business from the fact that there are going to be these reactions and these kind of lack-based, fear-based decisions that we make quite spontaneously and um, and they don't serve us. And so what I what I really loved about being in my business for this past eight years is I've learned these traits about myself. Like, you know, one of them revolves around human design. If people know it or not, it doesn't really matter. But the one thing that I love about human design that's been very powerful is it talks about what kind of decision maker are we. And it turns out I'm an emotional decision maker. And I'll tell you, this was a like life-changing. And by the way, about 50% of the population are emotional decision makers. So there's a good chance you are too, as you're listening to this. But here's the deal. We are not meant to make decisions in the first 24 hours of information coming into us. There's a good chance that our decision will flip-flop. And it's not because we're bad people. It's not because we're like, stupid or, you know, like it's, it's literally, there's an emotional wave. We're excited about it or we're repelling it. And when we can pause and take a bit of time, the clarity comes the next day or a day later. And I, what I, why I relate this to fear is that knowing what kind of decision maker you are and what sets you up for the best decisions you can possibly make to me is one of the best ways to deal with fear because I learned that I make emotional decisions. And so if I'm in a fear state and I make a decision from that place, it's probably not going to go very well. Yet when I've learned this about myself and I've tested it and I realized that I sleep so good at night because I'm like, this sounds wonderful. Let's talk again tomorrow. And then I wait for that. I am like a whole new person with my decisions in that capacity. And so we don't get a user manual when we're born, but I'll tell you, if you can create a user manual around your decisions, I just think life is so much better for us. So that's one strategy is know know yourself well enough to set yourself up so decisions 
are consistently good for you because then you'll trust yourself more. You'll have, you'll be in more flow with all of life. You'll have better relationships with others because if anybody ever, again, going back to me and my emotional, like, yes, that sounds great. And then the next day I've got to figure out how to tell them that I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm going back on that promise. It doesn't make me trust myself, right? When I flip-flop like that. So we probably all have different ways of how we'd go about this, but that's, that's what's coming up for me. Yeah. I'm glad you brought in human design because that's one of my favorite resources out there. <laughs> I'm also an emotional decision maker <laughs> and they call it uh, in a human design, they call it your authority. And um, it was life-changing for me too. And, and it gives me permission to not make decisions on the spot, you know, where, where sometimes other people would prefer you do. <laughs> I learned to not. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really great way to um, acknowledge being in the present moment, being mindful with the decision in front of you and, and allowing yourself to have the space to do one that feels aligned. I guess the trick is like recognizing, do we let those fears creep in? That, that taint the decision-making and that's the skill is to really like separate those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lisa, you have this great book out. Uh, you have some amazing resources. What would be uh, your suggestion as our listeners are going, Oh my gosh, I want to learn more. Like I want to dig deeper. Uh, where would be the first place we could send them to, to dig deeper into the tools and resources? Yeah. A great resource um, that you could go and get, some downloads is at Wealth Clinic, or actually, sorry, uh, abundancegift.com. And you'll get the first chapter of my book, The Mindful Millionaire. You'll get a really cool meditation that helps you come into the present moment. But what I also want to say about the book, the book was written for people to better understand this relationship that they have with money. And it also has a step-by-step process that can take months or even years to go through, but allows you to unpack what's actually happening here and how might this be informing this not-so-great relationship with money, be informing my experiences with money, and give you some ways to become more empowered if you want to change things going forward. Hmm. Love it. So uh, we will link that up in the show notes for you as well but that's abundancegift.com. All right, Lisa, I think you know what's coming. And uh, this is one of my actual favorite parts of the conversation that I get to have with all of these amazing authorities and leaders in the world. What would you say is the boldest thing you've ever had to do to amplify the reach and the success of your business? The boldest thing I that comes to mind in this moment is I was on Gaia Media TV, uh, interviewed by uh, one of their hosts, George Nori, and we rehearsed it. We planned out what was going to be covered in this like hour-long segment, and I'm in the chair, I'm in the studio being interviewed, and George changes everything in this interview. Like something I said triggered him and he couldn't let it go. And I was filled with grace in the moment to try and figure out what the heck was going on. Because instead of him interviewing me, he's like, I want you to interview me about this. And it was bold because 
part of me wanted to run out of the studio and be like, I I have no idea what is happening here. And then to add to it, I said, I said a question to him because he made it sound like it was open-ended and it was a personal question. And his response was, I never talk about anything personal on this, you know, in this, I don't know what you call it. Studio. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's try that again. You know, and it's all in the interview. And what was really funny is it led him to have a huge breakthrough. But when people watched this episode, they were like, what the heck is going on? Like he had never done that before. And people didn't like the episode because he wasn't in his normal place. Yet when people watch it and they'll come to me and they're like, I don't know what spell you cast on George, but that was, it it affected them in a huge way. People had huge breakthroughs, but going back to like our ideal clients, it's only, it's like we were talking at some subliminal language and the people who are my ideal clients heard that conversation instead of the one that most people heard. So that was one of the boldest things I feel like I've ever done. So I have to, I have to go a little deeper on this one. Cause I've had that moment too for different reasons, but it was mortifying for me what happened in my bad experience. I'm not even going to talk about it because it was so horrible, but you, you gracefully managed your responses and owned your brilliance. That's what I'm hearing. And in that bold moment, instead of letting the terror take you over (laughs) and crumbling to bits, (laughs) you know, you really rose up and kind of like trusted that something was unfolding that needed to happen. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I did. Yes, (laughs) that was exactly. Yes, there was it was complete surrender, Melanie, like complete surrender like any agenda I had about that conversation flew out of the studio so fast it'd make your head turn and I was present and I wasn't present like if I go back I can't barely watch this interview but if I go back and watch the interview I'm just I've been interviewed hundreds and hundreds of times and I was such a mess when we started like I just Oh, she's, I look at myself and I'm like, you were so nervous. And so I wasn't present when we first started. And yet that problem (laughs) brought me right into that moment. And, and there you go. (laughs) You didn't break down in tears. Nothing. I did in mine. So (laughs) (laughs) for very different reasons, but (laughs) We'll just put that into the cancel. Uh, I'm so cancel sorry. Bucket. I get it. Ah, I get it. It's It was a great learning. It was definitely great learning. Um, what is one thing you wish you would have done sooner? Become an entrepreneur. I wish oh. I had done that sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was scared. My parents had lost everything as entrepreneurs when I was growing up. We lost our house, car because their business went kind of belly up. Um, Like we lost the home that I loved. I mean, it was just, it was, it was that kind of thing. And so I thought my wiring from all of that trauma was it will never be safe for you to be an entrepreneur. 
and I had to bust that. And I talk about sadly the tragic thing that happened to me that caused me to come out of that stupor of fear and walk away from my career knowing that I'd be fine. But it was that subconscious wiring that kept me from thinking it was possible. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how we end up exactly in the thing that we avoid and resist for so long? (laughs) I love that. Such a powerful story. Lisa, thank you so much for bringing your wisdom and your exquisite energy and your beautiful message and sharing it with our amplifiers today. I, I really appreciate you. And I'm so excited to, to share this uh, book and your message with our audience. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com. And I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going. And I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 